What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. I think what you just said made me look at those scenarios differently. God replaced all my junk with with a beautiful light. God's really been changing the way that I parent my children. The most amazing thing is the sufficiency of His Word. This is Transform. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I'm starting a new series today. So thanks for being faithful listeners. It's always fun to interact with your emails, and I try to keep a pulse on your emails to guide me through content. And as I'm writing and developing some of this content, I want to be relevant to you and also keep things kind of where you're living and be helpful to where you're at. So I know many of you are right in this boat, and I haven't done anything on parenting yet. In fact, much of biblical counseling is going to involve parenting, where we're helping young parents, we're helping parents of teenagers. We're doing our best to counsel and to disciple. Many of our churches are doing that. They're giving us parenting classes and workshops. I have the privilege of teaching here in the near future at a church, and we're doing a parenting workshop there. When we talk about parenting, it's one of those skills that you have to have. And if you're married and there's a potential for kids, then we just want to recognize that the best time to start preparing to be a parent is not when little baby shows up, but it's it's really when you're married or you're thinking that way. I know in God's kindness, I started learning general parenting principles before I was married. So once I got married, I was able to fine tune how those apply and things like that. So Some of us are in the throes of parenting right now. You got kids at home and they're minors still, they're under 18. And you're like, man, Dr. Gifford, uh, yeah, I'm there with you too. I got three kids, all boys, and that's currently 13 and down. Uh, So I, I have a, it's unusual. I don't normally talk a lot about my kids on the show other than when I'm talking about trials and temptations. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I love you boys. Um, In all seriousness, I have uh, 13 and down. And then the age divides are about four years between the oldest two. And then I think it's about seven years. So at this point in life, I kind of have a wide spread of kids. So three boys, no girls. I tell people the Lord doesn't trust me enough to give me a girl. So he just gives me boys. And then uh, the spread is a little bit unique too, because we've had different seasons. And so I've never had children all in one, one season or a similar season. So think like everybody's in diapers or everybody's in a car seat. That's always been very foreign to me. As I'm sharing with that, I also just want to share a little bit about, I grew up in a kind of a nuclear family. My mom and dad are still together. They're still alive. They still talk to me. I'm surprised they still talk to me, but I've tricked them multiple times to continue to talk to me. I love them very much. And they were just a very stable presence in my life. So for me and my two sisters, uh, I had a strong, godly dad who was a leader, and he very much helped set the tone for our home. So when we think about our our families and our parenting, I'm going to try to address big picture ideas, and I'm going to do this over four episodes. So today I'm going to give you a couple of goals and some key definitions when we're parenting. In our next episode, I actually want to describe that, you know, the unity in your marriage will affect your parenting and marriages that are ununified or disunified, whatever the proper grammar is there, they're actually going to create more problems for their kids as you either explicitly know or implicitly know. I'm going to describe personal faithfulness and how that corresponds to being a faithful parent. So that'll be next episode. Then we'll get to even mechanics like plans for parenting, 
which will include consequences, blessings, and thinking through how we take our goals and practically express those into the mechanics of parenting. So today, numero uno, listeners, be reminded of these theological realities. First of all, children are a gift from the Lord and a heritage. And amongst the busyness, the sports, the running them to pick up an additional thing they need from the store, dropping them off at a friend's house and picking them up in the wee hours of the night. Okay, 10.30 p.m. is wee hours for me, just to be clear. In those moments, we're reminded that it is quite an honor of the Lord to have children and to be gifted with children. And, And I would include not only biological, but some of you are fostering or some of you have adopted. If the Lord has entrusted children to you, then we're interpreting that as God's kindness and God's favor to us. And, and I know that's hard to say at times, especially when there's disagreement or perhaps wayward children, but we see that God's blessing is communicated in children. And so if you have the privilege of getting to be a parent, you do recognize that God is very kind to you. And there are many who would love to have a child like you have. And uh, that's a very heartbreaking and sensitive thing for some that they've not been given that gift from the Lord to get to be a parent. So if you're a parent, then pause and say, you know what, at times it is difficult or at times it's challenging, but other times it's quite rewarding and very deeply satisfying. And so we're very thankful that the Lord has trusted us to be a parent. We are simply stewards of the kids that he gives us. When you think of the way that you spend your time, I want you to see that it's harder to think of a more important earthly thing that you can do to invest your time well. And I'm, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about leveraging time and how do I maximize my day and so forth. But as a parent, when you're investing in your children, it's one of the best uses of your time on this earth. You're discipling them, you're training them, you're teaching them. Ideally, you're launching them into independence. What a gift, what a good use of your time. There's always gonna be internet things to scroll through. Uh, transform.org, you might, I might recommend, no, I'm just kidding. There's always going to be something competing for your attention, a hobby or ESPN, but how do you you invest yourself wisely in this life? You invest it in other people, and in particular, you invest it in your family. So think of it as a gift. Think of it as an opportunity and a good use of resources God's entrusted to you. And then lastly, think of how does the future church get populated? Well, the future church is often produced through families. And God, in his sovereignty, often decides to save those that have some type of Christian connection. It's not always that way. You have first-generation Christians quite regularly, but God uses those families, those Christian families to help produce future disciples. And so what are you doing in your parenting? You're helping create that future church. And I don't mean like you're saving your kids, but I mean that the Lord often uses Christian homes to save kids out of and to make followers of his son, Jesus. So That's a pretty important task in all fairness. And so between all of the potential arguments and disagreements and someone's stinky and someone woke up late and there's a diaper that needs change, like all of that, you're thinking, well, this is a very important task and a very good use of stewardship and resources on my end. But I want to be faithful in that. So let me give you a couple of observations. And so if if those are some of the theological realities, then think of this, chaotic kids and children, and when I say children, I am thinking primarily like 16 and under, 17 and under. Chaotic children often come from, not always come from, but they often come from chaotic homes. And when you meet that 14-year-old who's just a hot mess, oftentimes that 14-year-old is a result of a chaotic home. It's not determinative. Your home doesn't determine who you are. 
But what that means is practically, if we have not been faithful parents, if we haven't had structured discipline, if we haven't structured calendars, we shouldn't be surprised that by the time our kids are reaching independence, that they're somewhat a hot mess. They're in chaos. Usually when, when we see teenage rebellion, that's the culmination of a child who's become a teenager who's moving towards adulthood. And in that rebellion, it's now that they're just an able-bodied rebeller. When we talk about being 14, you're now, you're now moving towards starting to drive. You're now able to select your own friends. And in these ages, you have a cell phone. So whenever we talk about each of those, what we're saying is that uh, that heart has been the same. Now they're just reaching a level of independence and can express it differently. So think of chaotic children as, as coming from chaotic homes. Next, I want you to see that when parents aren't unified and their parenting goals aren't clear, what happens is the children often come across as chaotic or rebellious, but it's usually traced back to the parents aren't being faithful and consistent and clear and their expectations unified as a couple. So if you're not unified with your spouse, your children are often frustrated and there's more drama in your home. So our marriages are going to serve as a very healthy foundation for kids that want to fear and honor the Lord. But if our marriages are a mess, then what will happen is our parenting will be a mess. So when you see a a child that's just really struggle.com, then you got to just think through like, all right, does that child receive faithful parenting from both mom and dad? And if they don't, it's really hard to help that child without first helping those parents get on the same page. Last but not least observation before our break is, you know, dads, I do mean this and I've seen this about 2,000 times in counseling, maybe 2,001 times, no hyperbole here. You set the environment for your house. And if you are an angry man, then watch the way that changes the tone of your home. If you are an absent man, and absent doesn't only mean physically, but obviously could include that, you know, you're on the road, you're traveling for work, you're gone all the time. But also think absent, like I'm just kind of checked out. I show up and watch TV all evening, or I show up and tend to my hobbies in the garage all evening. Watch the way that changes the tone of your home, the environment of your home. Dad, if you're in personal chaos, watch the way that changes the environment of your home. The Lord in his kindness, through the leadership of dad, who is husband, that really sets the tone for a home. So that's why homes that don't have dads who are present are they're disabled or they are handicapped to a certain degree. It doesn't mean they can't thrive in the Lord, but they are missing out on part of God's good purposes for them, which is a godly man who is present in the home. And dads, often as you go, so will your home go and so will your children go. So feel that, feel that weight. God uses you to help disciple these kids. God uses you to help love your wife And if you're hearing this and you're like, man, Dr. Gifford, you're right. I have been angry or checked out and my kids are in chaos right now. Then, yeah, you can get mad at them more. That is an option, an unbiblical one. But really what the Lord's calling you to do is to step up your game personally as dad and watch the way that changes the tone and the environment of your home. So so let's take a short break. When we come back, let's talk about goals and key definitions in parenting. We'll be right back. And we will be back, as Dr. Gifford said, as he continues his conversation on parenting in just a couple of minutes. But first, I want to highlight a really excellent book that is available in the Transform Store. It's called From Pride to Humility. 
written by Stuart Scott. And this book provides biblical ways to combat sinful pride that often feeds into parenting challenges. It really does. And Dr. Scott says in the book that the proud parent has an exaggerated view of self and an inflated opinion of personal competency that interferes with properly assessing the needs of a child. You can get practical guidance that can help transform prideful tendencies into Christ-like humility, which is essential for godly parenting. So I highly recommend you picking up a copy of From Pride to Humility by Stuart Scott, and you can grab it from the Transformed store right now at transformed.org. And hey, while you're there at transformed.org, I also like to point you in the direction of our donate page and ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner. When you do that, you help us produce gospel-centered resources like Transformed and the Transformed TV series, Ratchet Radio, Ratchet TV, Road Trip to Truth. All of the resources that we've been able to produce are only able to be produced through the generosity of our gospel partners. And we would love it if you would prayerfully consider joining us in this mission to create resources that reach people all over the world. And, and speaking of equipping, The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy is an excellent resource that should be on your bookshelf, whether you're looking to become a biblical counselor or you're just wanting to look at keeping peace in your home with your children. The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy can help with that. It is an excellent primer to crucial conflict resolution, and it should be on the bookshelf of all biblical counselors. And that's why we want you to pick it up. If you have been thinking about becoming a biblical counselor, well, bless your heart. We want you to do that because we are in dire need of more biblical counselors in our churches. You can pick up this resource right now in the Transformed store at transformed.org. Now, let's get back to Dr. Greg Gifford as he continues to discuss parenting. This is Transformed. Welcome back to Transform. We have a tendency to let our feelings be the engine that drives our lives. And when we do, despair is soon to follow. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, welcome back. I introduced in our last segment the idea of parenting and thinking through just general observations, even sharing with you just some of my own personal life and parenting and the steps that I'm at. I, I finished by saying, you know, observationally, if our marriages are a mess, our kids will often be a mess. That if our children are total chaos, we need to ask ourselves, is our marriage total chaos? Is our home total chaos? And then I did say, hey, dads, you bear a significant burden and responsibility in this. So in those responsibilities, I do want you to think, dad, you don't determine your children, but watch a godly father, watch a discerning father, watch him help shape the tone and the environment of his home and see the way that that influences children who are then in turn, at least moral, but hopefully godly and so forth. So just watch the way that a dad goes and the way that a home goes. So now let me zoom out for a second. I've been inundated with how to get your kids into a good school sports teams that leads to scholarships and club ball and blah, blah, blah. Think of parenting goals and think of the things that can often take our parenting goals. We want our kids to get a good career and vo vocational aptitude is just simply what I'm calling it. We want them to get a good job and to live out on their own. We want them to be independent. Now, some of us, are, our goal for our kids is to get married and to start their own family. And then we see jobs and we see cars and we see sports as means to those things. 
when you get to your, you know, your kids are kind of like 10 to 15, often sports becomes a bigger thing and they have their own interests and you're trying to help cultivate interests. Most parents aren't saying, well, I I believe you're going to be a professional athlete. And so that's why we're doing club volleyball, because this is going to be your profession. Parents are seeing that as a means to discipline and teaching. Maybe it'll turn into scholarships in college, whatever that is. But none of those are our ultimate goal when we parent. Our ultimate goal as a parent is to honor the Lord, first and foremost. Remember, I didn't say our ultimate goal is for our children to honor the Lord, uh, because technically I don't control that. What do I control? The way that I parent them. Yeah, when I was first taught this, this actually changed some significant things. My number one goal in parenting is that I would honor the Lord in the way that I parent. What's my number two goal? That our kids would do the same. (laughs) What if they don't become that elite engineer working in Los Angeles? You know, if they're honoring the Lord, I'm pretty excited. Like, there are vocations that might be perceived as lame in a worldly lens, but if you're pleasing Jesus and living for him, then yeah, that's a pretty exciting thing. And I think a, a godly parent, they want a, a child to not only be vocationally successful, but first and foremost, to be spiritually successful, just simply meaning that they're living to please the Lord. So when our goals are number one, that we are pleasing the Lord, listeners, this is going to transform, no pun intended, it's going to transform your parenting style. Because instead of me being angry, coercive, controlling, raising my voice at you, being pouty at times, in those moments, my number one goal is that I'm going to be a dad that loves his kids, even if they're not there yet. For you as parents, you're thinking something like, I have to fight against vocational aptitude being my number one goal or independence, or getting married, those are not our number one goal. Our number one goal is that we as parents would honor the Lord in the way we parent our kids. And our number two goal is that God would save them so they would do the same. You know, we can do cultivation, we can do shaping of that, we can do influencing, we should be facilitating and taking them to church, Awana programs, Bible studies, youth groups, yes. But ultimately, it is the work of the Holy Spirit that changes the heart of a person. So my taking my sons to youth group is not going to predetermine that they will be saved. I wish it were that easy. I'd have my buddies handcuff them and we'd drop them off at church. That's not the way that it works. So in our soteriology, we know that God is the one that ultimately saves. But what do we do as parents? We are parenting to the means of them being God glorifiers too. How does that work? God has to save them. And only by justification through faith, Will their hearts be changed so they truly do want to honor the Lord in their own life? So goal number one, step number one, honor the Lord. Then pursue vocational aptitude. Then pursue independence. Then pursue a family. But a family is not number one. Vocational aptitude is not number one. And independence is not number one. We want our Lord to be honored first. So then we're going to develop all of our plans based off of that goal. Uh, When we're talking about colleges, when we're talking about jobs and cars and relationships, that's all of you who have teenagers and you're working with your kids and discipling them through that. When you're working with your younger kids and and you don't get to have so much of a heady conversation with them, but you're developing consequences and plans and how you're treating each other with respect, it is honoring the Lord and the mechanics of parenting are then built out of that. So as parents, you got to have your goals straight and you as a couple need to be unified in your goals. Because if getting into Harvard is your number one goal, honestly, that's worldly and unbiblical. And then secondarily, 
it's going to actually hurt your kids from being the God glorifiers, the followers of Christ that we really, really need them to be. So a couple of key definitions in our time together, and for the sake of you maybe keeping track of what I'm saying, or maybe even me keeping track of what I'm saying, I want to give you a couple of key definitions to think about as a parent. And then I would encourage you, if you have kids and you've never clarified this with them, that you would begin to say, all right, kids, I haven't been clear on this, but we need to talk about key definitions, things that I say, things that I expect of you. Number one, I encourage you to identify a clear definition of what obedience looks like in your household. Ephesians 6, there is an honor and obey command for children, and we want to be clear on what obedience looks like. I would encourage you, this is something I was taught, I've adopted it for my own counseling and even for my own family now. I would encourage you to have something like this. You ready for this definition of obedience? Obedience means doing it the first time without complaining. When mom or dad said do it, you are mobilizing yourself to do it, and you're not saying, oh, can't you have my sibling? Oh, my leg, my back, my elbow. I can't. Obedience is doing it the first time without complaining. And so that's our baseline. This is what we expect of you. This is what obedience means. So if you're super puffy, if you're slamming things, if you're, if you're unkind, if you're grumpy, grumsterton all along the way, uh, that is not being obedient because you are complaining. So first definition, key definition Clarify in your home what you mean by obedience. Do this as a couple. If you want to borrow that definition that I've just provided, doing it the first time without complaining, I would encourage you to do that. But you need to have a baseline for obedience. Number two, have a baseline for an appeal. What does it look like for your kids to say, but mom, can we do that later? Or mom, can you have so-and-so do that? Or mom, I'm doing this right now. Can I not do that? When we get to the teenage years, you're going to need a very clear expectation of understanding when your teenager makes an appeal to you, how do they do that? I would encourage you to take a definition, something like this for an appeal. Okay. You get one appeal and in that appeal, you are expected to be gracious and respectful. After that appeal, you have no more appeals. And so the decision that mom or dad then pronounces, you need to be okay with, and you need to work in humility before the Lord to accept what they've said. So in that appeal, one appeal, gracious and respectful, then you're going to accept whatever mom or dad has said. You and I have been in situations with our kids where they're like, please, please, oh, please, I'll take care of you the rest of your life. Just don't make me take the trash out right now, please. And we're saying, no, I've already told you you need to do it. So get off your keister and do it. One appeal, otherwise you're disobeying now. So define what you mean by an appeal. And then lastly, define your warnings. Throughout our series, I'm going to be very, very black and white. Part of it is my own personality and my time in the military. but. I'm not a huge fan of counting down, you know, one, come on, Tim, one and a half. Okay, if I get to three, 1.57, and it's, Tim's like, I ain't moving, man. I know you're not going to do it. When you offer a warning, you give one warning, and then you're going to follow through on whatever consequence you have identified. So one warning, you get one warning, and that is us being gracious. So, hey, just remember, if you're going to be disobedient, here's the consequence that you're going to face. We're not going to count down from 32 backwards by halves. Uh, We're going to give you one warning. We're not giving you four warnings. And then once you have continued to be disobedient or you've continued to appeal when you've already used your one appeal, you get no more warnings. And then we're going to follow through on our plans. So parents, key definitions. You got to have these definitions. What does obedience look like in your house? What is an appeal and how many warnings? What is a warning that you're going to offer? 
This is going to be something that you as mom and dad need to identify, or perhaps this is a single home mom, then you need to identify these. What do you mean by obedience, appeal, and warning? If you don't have these key definitions, your children will be confused. And at times you're going to interpret it as disobedience, but you normally give them 30 warnings and now you're giving them one and they're thinking, whoa, mom, what's the matter with you? Normally we get 30 warnings and now you're giving us one. Like, why are you mad at us? Well, what's the problem there? You have to have clarity on those definitions. So let's start there. Goals. Number one, honor the Lord. Number two, that our children would honor the Lord in turn. What are the key definitions you need to have as part of this series and part of your own parenting plan? What does obedience look like? What is an appeal? And then what are warnings? So we got to be done for today. This is where we're going to finish off. So I hope you'll join us next time when I talk about the way that your personal faithfulness, the way that your marriages will affect your parenting. So I hope to hear from you via email. If you have questions, write in greg at transformed.org. Otherwise, I will see you at our next episode. Lord, thanks for being entrusted with children. It is a very deeply satisfying thing. And I know there are seasons when it's also deeply trying. Uh, Lord, give us the grace to be faithful parents because we want to be faithful followers of Christ, first of all. And these children you've entrusted to us, may we simply see this as a stewardship and an opportunity to worship you and to help encourage and prompt others to do the same. So may you use this series to bless those parents that are listening and bless those that are they're learning and they're trying to grow as a couple and be unified as a couple as they parent. And may you be honored in all of this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, of course, is transformed.org, and it is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends and church family. Also, would you prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? And until next time, go serve your king.